planeta Façam votos que investem, tomem atitudes Pra mudar a coisa que já tá pra lá de preta Eu tô cantando, você dirigindo Outro tá rezando, alguns se divertindo Muitos precisando, poucos conseguindo Se todos realizam algo, o mundo segue seu caminho Eu caio no swing, é pra me This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Thank you so much for tuning in to another installment of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, because we love you. If you stay tuned, we're going to raffle off a pair of tickets to the Alley Theater play, Quixote Nuevo. And this is special because that also links to one of our guests today. We'll be interviewing the playwright, Octavio Solis. And we're also looking forward to a special book signing with him tomorrow. So if you play your cards right, you might win some tickets to that play today. And then you might wind up with a signed copy of his book for your home library tomorrow. In addition, this is, I didn't know it was Latino season <laughs> because there's a lot of programming. We'll be talking to Dave Bonta, who is involved with our friends from uh, Public Poetry in an event called Poesia Sin Fronteras, Poetry Without Borders, a real poetry premiere, which includes poetry and film. And then we'll be talking to Paul Espinosa, who is doing an event for our friends at the Holocaust Museum, singing our way to freedom. And he'll be sharing some of his work. He's been involved in a lot of the Chicano civil rights movement. And this is the kind of stuff that you tune in for. We're going to have great music. Let's talk to our folks. I'm Tony Diaz, a Libre Traficante, but now we got to say happy birthday hey. to our co-host, Taro Quilly. Q, 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 happy birthday, Q. Thank you. Yes, what's up, what's up? Birthday was yesterday, uh, 21 years old. Um, it feels great to finally we be We can able say to, that because we're on radio. Right? It'd be great to finally be able to you know, be an adult. Uh, hopefully my insurance rates will start to go down. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's great to see another year. Uh, glad to be here. Um, really excited about the show, man. Y'all be able to call in about those tickets, man, and the book signing. Go go check it out. Brazil's Bookstore, right? It's your birthday. We're giving stuff away. I think we got it backwards. Is, <laughs> uh, no, it's cool. I'm a generous guy. I am That's a right. generous guy. It's all good. It, it works perfectly. And make sure you walk up to Q at the at any either the book signing or the, the play and say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> and, be afraid. Right? And running the board, Letty Lopez. It is I <laughs> running the board. <laughs> Thank you. And, of course, shout-out to Marlene, who she had her goodbye show last yes, week. She's she still did. helping us line up guests, though. Yeah. She will not leave. She Listen, she's always – she's not going to be able to cut us off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that ties into kind of what you're saying is that we really want to keep giving back to the community. Right. Obviously, the radio show for free, so we can't give you that more. Right. We can come up with – programming that's in-depth that no one else can match we try and get you great thinkers great gifts but i love that too marlene gives so much to us and i think that means that she got a lot from the show as right, well right. and we keep giving back in, in different ways 
today sending us you know guest ideas and option you know and contact information you know which is it's in her blood cultural capital it's her expertise man so I think this is a great testament to what happens when you get involved with the show. We're going to have other volunteer opportunities for folks as well. But I think our main mission is to let people know that there is this intellectual movement going on. There's a lot to pick from. Like I just mentioned three. I can't mention everything. Uh, Roberto Tejeda, who's been on the show, a friend of Nota Palabra, an ally, he's having a reading coming up. Uh, Sin Muros from Stages Theater. Lupe Mendez, Trevor Buffoni, and Jasmine Mendez are working on that. Yes. That's a festival kicking off. Big shout out to them, man. And please forgive us. I'm sure we've... For- no, I know for a fact we've left out three or four... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. Other events, but it, it's all key. I think the key now... Oh, yeah, Raul, too. Raul, Latin please, give it a shout. Week. Latin Week actually starts Thursday, the event, uh, at Rice, then Friday at the Guy Gallery, uh, Champagne, uh, fried nice. chicken and something else, <laughs> and and free salsa dance classes as well. So you can find out more about that at LatinWeekHouston.org. Salsa and champagne, yo, man, Houston, I'm that's going. what's up, I man. I see that, mano. Birthday week too. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but you know we're bursting at the seams with it. Houston it should be recognized as the leader in it. And I think the the next step is we want to keep getting the information out. We want to do cool programming. The next step, too, I think, I, I do want to give props to the Alley Theater because they are going one step beyond for authentic community engagement because not only are they doing the programming, they are also, we worked with them to re- devise a grant, our, our town grant through the National Endowments for the Arts. That's a $400,000 grant. Mm. And we were in there from the first stage, planning it, planning it every step of the way. No guarantee that we'll get it, but among all these other activities, it's clear from just that session that they're intent on doing authentic community engagement because for us it means, well, give cultural capital to the community. Right. Build structures that exist. And, yes, you win, we win. But five years from now, there should be more talent, more base. More places, more uh, cultural centers, institutions, museums, whatever. Absolutely, man. Now, this doesn't mean we abandon all our other allies, but I think it's interesting that here's a particular partnership, and it is key. Uh, but we have to we have to cross that cross that line, right? We've got to build other bridges with other other folks who help us get us to our goals as well, you know. And, and I think, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on the soapbox because we have three guests. I, I guess the last thing I'll say on that, because some of the perceptions too, I think if we practice praxis, we have to self evaluate all the time, mm-hmm. and, and we do that. It's For sure. Work. Right, And part of me, too, I think I had a misconception of what it was like when those major groups got those grants. Hmm. So if a grant's for 400000 I'm like, that's $4 million. Hmm. you know. And when they start spreading it, I'm like, man, you know, they only gave community group this amount. Once you're inside looking at it, it's like, oh, that's cut thinly. But I will say this. If that hmm. grant is funded, which it should be, there's going to be – I'm probably getting in trouble for saying that. I'm going to say it. $120,000 in grants for community artists. So the idea would be six community artists get $20,000 grants to perform in the community. I mean, listen, that will put Houston on the map, okay? That'll get artists who want to move to Houston, be an artist, take up residency, uh, people to come down here and do events with artists down here. Like, that's a big, huge step in saying we believe in the talent we've got here and let's invest in it. Listen, man, we should be rivaling Austin. We, We've got the doc- We should we be got- taking their lunch. Taken? We should sell it back to them. <laughs> Double the price. <laughs> <laughs> the burrito is now $50, my friend. <laughs> He's still shooting short, man. 75 You know what I'm saying? That Houston That's burrito. organic tortillas, <laughs> organic beans and onions and so forth, you know? But no, I mean, that's what that, you know, we really should. You know, Austin shouldn't be the only one with a big festival in, in Houston. I mean, in Texas, it should be us. We've got the talent. We've got the diversity of talent. We need to invest in them and build them up. Excellent. Sure. And we're going to be here 10 years from now. There'll be other folks, maybe, but we'll always be around the serving will you. Continue. And, and, and we're happy to do that. So we'll take a musical break, and we will be back with Octavio Solis, author of the book Retablos, and the playwright behind the play coming to the Alley Theater, Quixote Nuevo. And I think I'm going to give them to you. I'm looking at you. I'm giving you those tickets if you call in. Call in. <laughs> Stay tuned to Nuestra Palabra, Latino Word is having to say after this musical break.
You are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and we're happy to welcome, through the magic of telephone, playwright Octavio Solis. Octavio, ¿cómo estás? Hey, estoy muy bien. I'm happy to be here. How are you, Tony? Doing well. Hey, what's up? And this Q is, is Q. also Hola, here amigo, interviewing you. Estás? Welcome to Houston, Texas, Mano. I hope you're enjoying it so uh, far. Uh, it's been fun. I've only been here since late Friday night. But uh, but the city's treating me well. The Alley Theater's treating me well. We're having a fine time, really good time here. I'm from Texas, so it's really great back, great to come back here and and uh, you know get into the Texas vibe, the Tejano vibe. Eso. So much fun. Estás con familia, mano. Now aquí mero. Eso. <laughs> now we don't want to get people. We don't want people to get too jealous. But I will let them know that tonight there's a reception for you at Mecca with the founder, yeah. Alice Valdez. So that's going to be really nice. If Good. you're just finding out about it now and you can't make it, do not get disappointed because then tomorrow will be a book signing for your book, Retablos, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight and we're going to have you read an excerpt from. That's going to be oh, at, good. at Brazos Bookstore. And also, just so you know, this is such a major work that you're bringing to Houston that we're raffling off tickets tonight to the play. So after we, we chat oh, with man. you, the, the 10th caller will get a pair of tickets to the play, but also tomorrow at the bookstore we'll raffle another pair as well. And yeah, that's excellent. That No, we're, we're really excited about it. And I, I do, I do want to let folks know that you are, of course, a playwright and a director. Some of your works include Mother Road, Quixote Nuevo, Hole in the Sky, Alice's Miracle, many, many others. And these have been performed all over California Shakespeare Theater, Mark Taper Forum, Yale Repertory, now we're going to add the Alley Theater. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really great. To, to, I've been trying to get into that place for a long time. It was really, really gratifying to kind of uh, feel how they're rolling out the red carpet for me for this. It's really, really fantastic. And, and let, let's start with that, of course. Uh, we do want to let folks know that you've taken one of the greatest works in Western civilization, <laughs> yeah. Quixote, yeah. Uh, which, um, you know, t to me, one quick fact, just Cervantes begins the genre of the novel with that work. There's many other reasons for it. Absolutely. Playing yeah. with forms. It, yeah, he, it, it's really the first modern novel. Uh, prior to that, they were romances. A lot of them were in verse. And, and, they, uh, uh, and they didn't deal with the life as, as it is lived by, by people. It didn't deal with the real world. It dealt with sort of nightly adventures and dragons and, you know, a lot like Game of Thrones, you know? But, <laughs> but, but this is different. What he did was very different because he really set out to portray what the people's lives were really like out in, uh, in, in La Mancha in that, in that time of Spain. So you get a really good snapshot, more than a snapshot, of course, a huge photo album, of, uh, of what life was really like. Um, and the, the other thing about that novel is it's very meta. The author is constantly interrupting the action to tell the reader, look, I don't know if you can take this as truth. I, I, I only found the book and helped <laughs> translate it. I found it in a flea market. It's really written by an Arab historian. I didn't write it. So always interrupting the novel that way. It's very meta. And, and in book two, which was written 10 years after the first book, uh, somebody brings the book to Quixote and says, look, they wrote this about you. So it's really interesting how, how, um, how um, complex and labyrinthine that novel could be. But I took it. I had to sort of, I was commissioned to write it for the Oregon Shakespeare Festival at first, and I really tried to be as faithful as I could because... Man in La Mancha, it is not. Man. It, it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it just, I wanted to be more, to depict the novel more closely. And I had a huge cast to do it with. But I, I and I was successful in, in some regard, but it just didn't feel like me. It felt like Cervantes. And, um, and finally, when I did this draft that has been making the rounds from the California Shakespeare Theater to Hartford State to the Huntington and Boston, then finally here, um, it has my stamp. I had to pry that book from 
Cervantes' cold, dead fingers so that I Love could it. rewrite it. I could really rewrite it. And, and it worked. It worked. And, and you know what? In some weird way, I feel like I caught the spirit of the novel better because of that. Well, if I could interject, I don't want to scare yeah. you. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> but, Uh-oh. <laughs> but let's put you in the context of Cervantes, because here you have a, a master writer, intellectual, uh, who has to adapt form to his imagination, to his culture. And, and I would argue that that's the journey you've been taking, and that's what people here in Houston will get to experience when they see Quixote Nuevo because you're playing with the genres and, and you're just saying yourself that it didn't satisfy your muses but also I think what our listeners are hearing it didn't it wouldn't satisfy ours this work will is That's that right. fair to say that yeah it's absolutely right I had to view it with everything that is me that is of my culture that is North American it's not European Cervantes is a European and that novel is is, an, is a European work a work of world literature mind you but it's still European. And I said, I'm going to give it a cast so that it feels completely of this hemisphere, totally of this hemisphere. So right. I'm evoking cholas, I'm evoking <laughs> paleteros, there's tejano music, there's calacas, there's a papa calaca flaca. I mean, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's evocations of the Aztecs and, and low riders, you know, low flow. <laughs> So it's all cool. in there, and it's, and the code switching is constant. And there's songs, there's songs, a lot of songs in Spanish that we don't translate for the divorce. They just have to deal with it, and you know what? <laughs> they love it. That's Audiences who don't understand it are digging it because what do they dig about Mexican music except that it's in Spanish? Right, <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, and. So, and I think so that, that's what I've given. That's beautiful. I'm sorry. Not yeah. at all. No, you. We're here to hear you. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Tony, you know, here's something else. You and I, we're in a book together. Did you know that? Cuéntame, mano. ¿Cuál? Hecho en Texas. Hecho en Texas. Oh, we're, we're familia. And by the way, Dago, I, well, now that we're family, I'm just going to tell you. So Dagoberto, of course, reminded us that he loves you, uh, that he wrote the blurb, and he was going to come to your reading tomorrow, but he couldn't make it. Oh, I would, th- I would, it, it would be an honor to see him there. I would dedicate the reading. Oh, to man. <gasps> I got to call him came, back. He would, it would be such an honor That's because you. he's one of my models. I, I, I I had already been working for years as a playwright when I, I stumbled into Woodcuts of Women, and I went, what? Where has this book been hiding all my life? Oh. Where has this writer been? And then I find out he's from my hometown. We're both from my fossil. That's awesome. And he's a brilliant, brilliant man who has been working tirelessly, not just for his own work, but for the, for, for the, for the sake of of every writer of Latino stripe that he that he comes across, he supported my career for years and still supports me, and uh, I'm seriously indebted to that man. And you know what? I'm I'm so glad you're bringing that up because I don't think he gets enough credit for that because he's got proteges, friends that become familia, and not everybody does that. So I, I'm glad you're bringing that up. And this. This interview's taking a turn, <laughs> but it's really... <laughs> so you know what? You know what, Octavio? What I'm going to do is I'm going to call him, and yeah. let's get him to this reading tomorrow. Let's see if he can stay oh, for yeah. the play también. And uh, oh, que carino. Yeah. Mira, now, now that we're related, listen, that, I was born in Chicago, <laughs> but but I say that oh, Echo Tejas is my uh, Texas passport. I'm like, am I Texan now, man? <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say yeah, so, just, for sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. Look out, man. You've you, you got... Anything. <laughs> every, every counter will let you in. No Mira, problem. Octavio, people are going to get jealous. Mira, you can all hang out with him like this, too. You can all talk to him. <laughs> Tomorrow, we're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to kick back, probably have some adult beverages as, as Octavio presents his book, Retablos, because we got to treat you like an author. So I am in no way, yeah. take or form, taking anything away from the important work that the Alley Theater is putting on with Quixote Nuevo. But we have to respect the fact that you are a writer 
And, you know, Retablos is a vital work. Uh, maybe you can close this out. We're reading a section from it. So tomorrow we're going to convene with you. Everyone who's like, ay, esos dos, they're all esos tres gente, just, you know, witty witty all together. Well, no. Join us tomorrow to hang out, and they can get a little one-on-one, a little more of this talk. At the plate, it'll be a little different scene, but another flavor. It's tomorrow from 6.30 to 7.30 at Brazos Bookstore. Everyone knows it's at 3421 Bissonnet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you close us out with a, with a short reading from Retablos? Of course, absolutely. This, one, uh, this is one of the Retablos I call Consuelo, who was a woman that took care of us, a criada that my parents hired while they went and worked, you know, both of them worked. And we were the chavalos allí en la casa, and, uh, and she was, she was, she cleaned for food, she'd wash us, dress us, get us to school, and she'd work all day long, and then at night she'd prepare dinner and go to bed. So I wrote this kind of as a tribute to her. Um, it goes like this. Her name is Consuelo, and she is our maid, our criada, She has something in her hands, a precious object. She comes down from the mountains of Mexico and takes a long bus ride to Ciudad Juarez, then walking over the Santa Fe Bridge to El Paso, boards another bus that takes her along the curve of the lower valley to our house. She lives with us, this lady whom everyone thinks is our abuela, because like our abuela, she commands our respect and rouses our love. Setting up her meager belongings in a small room near the kitchen, her comb, her picture of San Martin giving a piece of his cloak to a mendicant, her rosary and her small crumbling Bible beside the single bed that used to be my little brother's. She puts on her simple country dress and her apron with homemade rickrack. She's small and stout with strong bowed legs with ho- that carry her through the house. She spends all day cleaning. Her face dark and furrowed, her hair silver and tightly braided into a plate that hangs down her back like a staff. Her hands rough and calloused as a man's. She cooks all our meals and calls for us when the plates are served. Wherever we are, we hear her summons and head for home. The food is so good that Kino and Marcos and the other kids want a plate too. She feeds us, feeds the dog, feeds the canaries in their cage, then feeds herself. All we know is her name, which is consolation, which is perfect, since that is what she brings to my parents, who bust their asses day and night to make the ends meet, which they never do, these ends that barely even pass each other across the room. She grows yerbas in the backyard and makes healing soups and teas for us when we're sick. Sometimes when she's alone, when a lull in her daily labors permits, sits and watches the Canal Dos on TV, the Spanish-language shows. At night, after we've had all our dinners and are getting ready for bed, she goes to her room with the door closed, sits on her bed with her open Bible and prays. There are times when she goes to her her family. She says she'll be gone two weeks, but two weeks can turn into four and then into eight because the difficulties at home or crossing over issues. But six years of Consuelo, six years of her quiet folk singing as she hangs her clothes on the line, her sweeping the porch with that old broom, her stern admonishments to us for disrespecting our parents, six years of her practically raising us, invokes the deep mestizaje that lives in our blood, that reminds us we come from something older, simpler, and richer than the privileges we think are owed to us in this land. This is a retablo of Consuelo, sitting on her bed with a door ajar just enough for a nine-year-old to peer through, this old woman with her hair unbraided, loose all the way down to her lap, with a sacred object in the cradle of her hands. What can it be but the apple we threw away, which she retrieved, saying, waste nothing of God's, and took to her room, and here it is, the sunken, moldy apple, and Consuelo gingerly taking bites of it in the luminous mystery of faith. Wow, que fuerte. Thank you so much, Octavio Solis. Reading excerpt from Retablos. You get to meet him tomorrow at Brazos Bookstore, 6.30 p.m. Yeah. And I'll be he, reading from, from my book as well. 
That's beautiful. And of course, he's here also to launch his pl- to present his play at the Alley Theater, Quixote Nuevo. It starts this Friday. There's a community night. We hope you'll invite it. Uh, we hope everyone will go. Councilman Robert, Robert Gagos is <laughs> you're going to be there, which is great. <laughs> they can meet you again and see the play. Uh, Council, City Councilman Robert Gallegos is sponsoring that evening. And then the play runs through February 9th. Do not miss it. You can get alleytheater.org to get tickets. And we're about to give a pair away. What number What number uh, caller should we give it away to, uh, Octavio? Uh, post 8, number, Octavio 8. So, <laughs> <laughs> caller number 8 to 713-526-5738. See you tomorrow, hermano. Gracias. I have one more salutation Por for fa. you from a friend. Uh, Carmen Tafoya says hello. Oh, my goodness. I love Carmen. <laughs> So much, man. Oye, somos hermanos, mano. Somos familia. Yeah, we'll have to go out. We'll have to go out tomorrow night. Looking forward to that, hermano. And welcome to okay. Houston. Estás en casa. Ah, gracias, gracias. Nos vemos, pues. Can't wait. Man, we got to right. roll the red carpet, man. We got to show some love, Houston. <laughs> <a> good week. 713-526-5738 to call in to wear a pair of tickets to the play that'll be at the Alley Theater. And we're going to take a short musical break. We're going to come back with Dave Bonta. He's with Poesia Sin Fronteras. And then we're also going to have Paul Espinosa singing our way to freedom. Yo, you know this is Nuestra Palabra, right? It's a great show tonight. Well, we do, baby. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to all the folks that have called. The lines blew up. We hope you enjoy that play. Appreciate the love. And Vanessa won the tickets. Just let you know. Congratulations, that was Vanessa. The eighth caller. All right, Vanessa. Vanessa. I love, appreciate it. Appreciate you listening in. Happy to give you a little gift back. Yeah. But hey, the party continues. There's so much more to experience in Houston, Texas. Right now, our friends at Public Poetry. Shout out to Fran founder of Public Poetry, uh, let us know that she's putting on a great event, Poesia Sin Fronteras. And on the air, we have one of the contributors, Dave Bonta. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Hey, how you you doing? Thank you so much for calling in. He's a writer, editor, web publisher from the Appalachian Mountains of Central Pennsylvania, born the same year as the Miranda Warning, (laughs) and the term found poem. Ah, interesting. Uh, So your event is poet. Poesia Sin Fronteras, uh, Poetry Without Borders, uh, the 17th of January, 6.30 to 9 at HCC Central. Uh, it's a program of poetry films from Latin America. Many produced as part of an online collaborative translation project led by Dave Bo- uh, Bonta. We'll showcase one of the main strengths, uh, strengths of cine poetry, the way it can help overcome linguistic and cultural divides. So you guys got to check it out if y'all got time. 
Thank yeah. you for being here. Yeah. Tell us about the origins of that. That's pretty cool because you're mixing it's languages, fun. cultures, genres. Yeah. It, it was just a fun project that I started on my literary blog, Via Negativa, and on Facebook back in 2015. But it was with, um, you know, I came up in the with the literary bloggers of like the mid-aughts. So, you know, 2003, 2004, we all started running into one another. And I started 2009, I started the site Moving Poems, which just because no one else was doing it, ended up being this like major hub for um, for video video poetry, video poesia and um, English language site. But I included, I've always loved Latin American poetry. I grew up, uh, you know, reading, fortunately my Spanish is not good. I took it in high school, but uh, um, reading bilingual editions, um, the great anthology Roots and Wings, edited by Hardy St. Martin, of Spanish, you know, the great Spanish poets, and then quickly discovered Neruda, and from there, you know, Octavio Paz, um, all the others, uh, other greats from um, from Latin America. So uh, I just, I've always been frustrated, though, that so few gringo, gringo <laughs> poets know this great literature. Mm. And the way that our... our 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 literature classes are just so balkanized. I mean, the very fact that we still have an English class rather than a literature class as part of a standard public school curriculum just kind of annoys me, you know, that, that, that we spend all this time studying poetry from England, which is, okay, part of our cultural heritage, <laughs> but, but we never study the great Spanish-American and Brazilian poets, and particularly, you know, we've got this intimate relationship with Mexico that goes back long before the conquest you know if you think about the cultural um all the all the you know corn and and the whole you know the mounds building civilizations and all that you know the connection with what is now mexico is absolutely ancient and and, and pivotal and um and you really can't understand american history or culture without understanding this deep literature facts you know and 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 so in a very small and, and homegrown way, that's what we were trying to do with this project. It was just kind of a fun way to exercise. Many of us had had some Spanish. There were a couple of professional translators um, that I'm fortunate enough to be friends with. And one of them, Jean Morris, will have a number of – who's actually British. And she's been a technical translator for, for decades, really, making a living that way, translating from the French and from the Spanish. And this project – Get opened a whole new window to her because she'd always been a literary person. She got a she got a, a, a degree from B- bloody Cambridge, but <laughs> she she she'd never, you know, in in her I suspect early sixties. I'm too polite ever to ask, but as she says, late in life, you know, she discovered her own creative side first through translation and then really taking poetry seriously and taking workshops and becoming a really good poetry a poet and working in this collaborative relationship with a Spanish director. Um, named Eduardo Yagüe, who's the one director we'll be seeing the most, like the most screen time from, because he makes these very slow-moving, um, kind of meditative black-and-white films, um, you know, with professional actors and actresses in, and we'll be seeing four of his about five minutes each. And, um, you know, though he's Spanish, he really, he's really, really keen on, on Latin American poetry, poetry in general, uh, but particularly Latin American poetry. So getting yeah. some some perspectives from across the pond, both in, 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 in Britain uh, uh, and from Spain on this project, which is interesting. Well, I think what's, what's key, too, is that you mentioned the evolution of this project. It sounds like you had to come at it cross-genre. Before we're calling them genres, I mean, people might not recognize blogs as genres, but that was a genre of literature. Yeah, For sure. You know, and, and it sounds like... You're right. The educational field's not ready, not ready for this. So we got to do it ourselves, and, and that's what we kind of see here. Tell the folks a little bit more about what they'll see um, at at the Poesia Sin Fronteras. A few of the other pieces. Yeah, well, this will be a, like an hour, roughly an hour program max, and um, I'll try and keep my nattering to minimum. But I do want to. I do. I will be introducing each poet with a few words, and I'll be throwing up. I should say afterward or simultaneous with the reading, I'll be throwing up a dedicated permanent page at Moving Palms, so if people want more information about the directors and the poets, they can get it. But there'll be 17 films total from uh, 16 poets, and I just counted it up before I talked to you, and it turned out it's even eight men and eight women. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> which I didn't, I, I didn't plan at all. It's just what I happen to have, and it's, it's a testament to, you know, people have these stereotyped ideas about Latin women, of course, but actually, if you look at the history of, of, of poetry in Latin America, going all the way back to the 18th century, or, or excuse me, the 17th century, when Sor Juan Inés de la Cruz was this, you know, preeminent poet of Spanish mm-hmm. in, in what is now Mexico, you know, and uh, um, what was the nicknames for her? Like the, the, the they called her like the, the, the tenth muse and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, down to the, the, the 20th century. Rosario Castellanos. We also have a a, a a video poem that I did uh, for her. We got Blanca Varela from Peru. Uh, Gabriel Mistral, the first Dang. Latin American winner yeah. of the Nobel Prize from Chile. People always think about, of course, Neruda is super well-known, as he should be, but I mean, he kind of, I gather even in Latin America, he sort of had this overshadowing effect because he was so prolific and there were so many different Nerudas. (laughs) But, you you know, within Chile, or certainly within Latin America as a whole, I think Gabriel Mistral is, wouldn't you say? Huge. Oh, forget it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And especially, I mean, I I appreciate that you uh, pointed out that there's eight men, eight women. Part of the fact is, uh, you know, you, you had sexism going on in, in all over the world that has, you know, cut into her her fame internationally. But very important writer yeah. as well. You know what? People are going to wind up with uh, advanced degrees after they go to Poesia Sin Fronteras. Uh, I wish. <laughs> I, I've just been, I, you know, I've just been going through the anthologies, reminding myself of all the people that we didn't translate and that I do or that we translated and nobody's made videos for. Now, I want to say that um, I've always licensed my, my stuff for on Creative Commons licenses specifically to encourage remakes. That's part of the blogging mm-hmm. culture that you mentioned, that genre. Not everyone did it, but there was this whole there was this culture of collaboration and remix, which is still very strong online, even as blogs have become more specialized and the personal blog has kind of faded a bit. But poetry blogs are still strong, and um, and it's just what the blogosphere has done, what the internet has done, is bring people together across borders. Obviously, but I mean, love it. Um, Do us a favor, give out the details one more time. Yes, sir. Well, that reading is, as you said, on Friday night, the twenty fourth. Uh, you can get tickets at publicpoetry.net um, slash real poetry slash tickets twenty twenty. But you, you know, there's navigation at the top. And um, 6.30 to 9 p.m. is the overall event. I think I'm on second after a spoken word event. And, um, and then there's a, there's a party listed. So uh, hey. <laughs> HEC Central. Now, I've never been to Houston. I don't know where these places are. But, well, we do. Uh, oh, yeah, Man, yeah. we could jog there. We might walk Yeah, there. that was around the corner. <laughs> That's right around the corner. <laughs> So awesome. well, thank you. Big love to Fran. Uh, thank you so much for for staying behind us. We look forward to this event, and thanks for calling in, Dave. Appreciate yeah. it, man. And thank you so much, yo. You better go to some of these stuff if you're tuning in. Absolutely. And we're gonna be calling in with Paula Espinosa because we are co-sponsors of this event at the Holocaust Museum. It's the film screening of "Singing Our Way to Freedom" with Paula Espinosa. And again, maybe today we needed like a three-hour show. We really did. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, an hour and 30 minutes would have been wonderful. Right. <laughs> but we're going to take a short musical break as we call into Paul. No, I'm sorry. Let's go right to Paul. We're going right to Paul. Never, hey, Paul. Never mind. <laughs> hey, hey, how are you doing? Hey, Good. Paul. What's thank up? you so much for calling in. Yeah, no, we're very happy to be with you. Como estas? Muy bien, muy bien. Okay, bueno. Uh, really looking forward to the uh, the screening on the January 25th at the Holocaust Museum in Houston. Oh, man, this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be a multi-layered look at the life of San Diego Chicano, musician, composer, and community activist Ramon Chunky Sanchez. (laughs) Barring from musical traditions on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border, Chunky uses music and humor as powerful weapons in fighting for social justice. From his humble beginnings as a farm worker in rural California, to the dramatic moment where he received one of the nation's highest musical honors at the Library of Congress. This character-driven film reminds us that the battle for freedom has to be fought by every generation. And we do want folks to know that you, Paul, are an award-winning filmmaker, 
and president of Espinosa Productions, a San Diego production company, which you should open a, a Texas version. But hey, yeah. I have it. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> right? Specializing in films focused on the U.S.-Mexico border region. He's been involved with productions and films for nearly 40 years. His many films for PBS include The Lemon Grove Incident and The Earth Did Not Swallow Him, which... You know, uh, major literary work. Thank you for giving it access to the world. And every time we bring up that work, I'm going to remind you, America, Arizona banned that as part of the ban of Mexican America Studies. So happy. That's, our, right? That's that, right. That's right. Yeah, that was a wonderful, a wonderful project. Híjole. And, and I'm so glad that we all united to, to unban that and smuggle it in because, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get the Libre Topic on this back if you dare ban any of it. So it's wonderful that your work is out there getting it. As well, I do want people to know you also did The Hunt for Pancho Villa and The Ballad of an Unsung Hero. Your films have been screened at festivals around the world and have won many awards, including eight Emmys. You are a professor emeritus at the School of Transborder Studies at Arizona State University. We're chatting with you now. We hope people will go. I get to give a Q&A with you hey. at the event. Hey, you better, hey, hey. Y all better go <laughs> this January 25th. From 6 to 8. Hey, welcome to Houston. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't get to Houston too much. I'm based in San Diego, California. But uh, I know it's a great, a great city. And particularly, I think, for this film, I, I'm sure we're going to have a great audience there. Yeah. Uh, Chunky, uh, Chunky Sanchez, the, the focus of the film, his music, uh, I think, is, is actually better well-known than he is. I think a lot of people may not know, recognize his name. But when they hear some of his music from the... Uh, Basically, the Chicano Civil Rights Movement period, I think they'll definitely uh, remember, uh, connect to it. Uh, he was really a, a very talented uh, composer and musician in his own right. He did travel all over the American Southwest, uh, certainly had a following in lots of different cities. He's now, uh, sadly, he passed away about three years ago, but we were able to uh, capture uh, his music and uh, have some very extended interviews with him before he passed away. And it's really been a, a wonderful project, which we've been um, taking out to uh, to film festivals is played in a lot of festivals around the country. Actually, even outside the country, we had a wonderful screening in Guadalajara at the Guadalajara Film Festival. Wow! And uh, actually, screened until we screened several times. We screened at uh, Cine Las Americas in Austin and uh, Cine Festival in San Antonio. But actually, this is going to be the the Houston premiere oh, of the film, Ooh. and uh, very excited because um, the uh, I, I understand the the museum. This is the, the Holocaust Museum in Houston, which has a a very wonderful exhibit of um, uh, farm worker photographs connected with Dolores Huerta exactly. that's going on right now. And I think they uh, the the museum was very interested in um, having some you know companion programming, and and our film uh, really uh, fit the bill for that. No, that's yeah. great. All, all those different layers. I got to ask you, what was the reception of this work in Guadalajara? Only because here we are as, you know, Chicanos uh, on this side of the border with our struggle. I'm always right. fascinated when folks from the other side hear about it. So what was their take? Well, it was, it was well received. I mean, of course, the, uh, the Guadalajara Film Festival is probably probably the really the biggest uh, film festival in Latin America now. I mean, it's really huge. So you're talking about just a, a huge number of, of films shown, you know, over, a, I forget, like a 12-day period. But uh, it, it was well-received. I mean, one of the things that uh, the film brings out, uh, Chunky himself um, traveled to, to Mexico City in 1973. It was actually the first time he'd ever been to Mexico City. But he, it, it began a really uh, a very, very intense relationship with a lot of the young musicians that were, go, uh, that were, you know, uh, playing music at that time. Especially, you know, basically what we think of today as protest music, or you know, uh, uh, basically uh, a lot of a lot of musicians were very involved with um, efforts to um, basically protest the oppression that was going on in their countries in Latin America. And when Chunky went to Mexico City, he was able to participate in this very big uh, musical festival that included people like Mercedes Sosa and Gabino Palomares and other well-known uh, musicians from that time period. And we talk about it in the film. Uh, Chunky really talks about how uh, what an incredible event it was for him. He was he uh, he got there and he was asked to participate in that, and it just really connected the the Chicano with the the larger Latin American experience that was going on, and the kind of experiences that um, the similarities, I guess, in some of the 
you know, oppressive conditions that different people found themselves in, and then also the the role of music, particularly the importance of music in uh, inspiring people and in you know keeping people motivated and and uh, touching on a lot of the the issues that were you know relevant to uh, both in Mexico and in the United States. So. Um, the, the film basically uh, we, we haven't we haven't screened as much in Mexico as we'd like to. I hope I hope to have actually some more screenings in other uh, Mexican and even other Latin American uh, festivals. But basically, to date, it's really been uh, very well received. I've been very excited about how people have responded to the film. That's fantastic. Now, playing along the whole idea of the role music and art play in, in civil rights, I'd like you to touch on it and, and put it into context. Um, you're a Chicano, Ivy League Chicano, okay? <laughs> so, so tell folks about uh, about. I've never uh, heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is that? What is, um, tell folks well, about that. But, uh, but, but know, basically, I I grew up in uh, in in New Mexico. I'm uh, in, grew up in Albuquerque, uh, basically. Uh, that's my home. Uh, I mean, that's where my family's from. From and, and like many many uh, Mexican Americans from from New Mexico, my family has been there for many many generations. Uh, you know, goes way back. But uh, really, most of my professional career has been in California. I, I moved to California in the I guess the mid '70s, and uh, pretty much have been in California for most of my career. I did I did have a spell in Arizona where I was at Arizona State University. Uh, with what was in the Chicano Studies uh, Department, uh, basically working on uh, building what eventually became a school of transborder studies. But, but so cool. most, of my, most of my professional career has been in California, and most of it in San Diego. And, in fact, a lot of the, um, a lot of the work that I've done that people, some people are familiar with, The Lemon Grove Incident is a film that a lot of people mm -hmm. are familiar with. It was a, a, a documentary about the earliest uh, legal challenge to school segregation anywhere in the country in 1931, that involved uh, Mexican-American children. The, uh, the school board was trying to segregate the uh, Mexican-American children from the Anglo children, and the, school, the, um, the Mexican community school, uh, uh, basically um, sued the school board to prevent that from occurring. But anyway, I, I feel like one of the things that my work has been about is really the whole you know, positioning of the border, the U.S.-Mexico border, and the, the importance of a lot of uh, border art and border culture and the way in which you know Chicanos in particular find themselves, you know, kind of like like with one one foot on either side of the of the border, and trying to do what they can to find the, this this mixture of of Mexicano and and American uh, culture. Yeah. And I think uh, Chunky in particular, certainly in his music, was I think very very successful in doing that. That was I think one of the reasons that I was really excited about uh, doing this film was finding a way to. He was very very charismatic on the stage and really found a way to uh, take from both sides of the border, particularly musically, and, uh, you know, present that to audiences, in a, often in a very, uh, you know, humorous, a, a, a funny, funny way. No, and I love that. I'd also like you to, to, to further uh, bear down on the whole idea of, I think our listeners, folks that roll with Nuestra Palabra, Latino artists, having to say, we we believe that art and culture can have this impact you're talking about, but I think we might take it for granted. Like, well, it's just us throwing down, presenting a poem. But I yeah. love the way you contextualize it in this work in that it's bigger than that. Tell folks a little bit more about that because I don't want us to take – I love that you're documenting this history, but I always fear that in that moment those of us who are in it take it for granted. Well, yeah, I think I think it is really important to you know it's almost a cliche, but you know to tell our stories. Basically, if we're not telling our stories through through poetry, through music, through film, through literature, through you know any any means necessary, uh, then then our stories are not going to be told. And unfortunately, I mean, I mean one of the challenges is that we're sort of invisible in so many ways in terms of the larger mm -hmm. national imagination. You know, I mean when you talk about especially at the national level, it's just amazing that. When you consider the size of the of the just the Mexican the Mexican origin population in the United States, which is now I think about 40 million people, not to mention the the Latino population, which includes another 20 million Latinos, we're really a very very significant you know like one in, well, you could say one in six Americans are are Latino, and yet if you look at you know you watch television or you watch you know just regular um, you, you know consume media and whatever way you do it, you really you know, we're we're just not there in any anything close to that proportion. So it becomes really important to 
to tell our stories to you know not only to tell our stories to each other, which of course is very important to to capture them and to to make sure that they they have a staying power, but then also to to represent ourselves to the larger the larger society and and let the larger society know about our our concerns, our angst, our uh, our the kind of challenges that we face that. Uh, in in our, our you know specific to our own situation, so I think basically uh, it, it's really important the, the role that art and culture play, you know especially which again in the in the kind of society we live in today kind of gets uh, undermined. I mean art and culture in general, not to mention you know specifically Chicano Latino art and culture. You know we don't we don't uh, we don't put enough value on that. I don't think as a society, but you know hopefully I think when people you know go to concerts and go to movies and go to poetry readings. You know, they get inspired because basically this kind of work, you know, touches their hearts and their souls and, and makes them feel alive. So that's a really important role for, for art and culture. And, and Chunky, you know, really did that with his own work. Well, that was one of the things that I think really does come through in the, in the film is that he's somebody that manages to do that, was really dedicated to that, you know, often not under, you know, difficult circumstances. The life of an artist, the life of a musician is very, very tough to make a living and, you know, make a go of it. But, you know, he managed uh, to, to put things together one way another fantastic yeah. we're chatting with paul espinosa and we're talking about his work singing our way to freedom we'll be chatting all things chunky january 25th at the holocaust museum from 6 to 8 p.m we'll have a q a after you should definitely check out the dolores huerta exhibit while you're there we got about a minute left uh paul what, what's your next project what are you working on now because we want to recognize that you're a an intellectual and an artist so you got to keep you got to keep the muses going what's next right, right. <laughs> well i mean basically in a lot of ways one of the things i'm doing right now is really taking this film around the country of course i'll be there on the, on the, the 25th at, at the holocaust museum for the q a after the film and we have actually a whole slew of screenings coming up in other in other uh uh, museums and uh, educational institutions. That's what I'm doing in the near term for the next, you know, I don't know, six months or so. And then working on a number of projects. One is a project in, in New Mexico. There's, again, a, a lot of really great stories. Uh, one of the big projects I worked on in the past was the U.S.-Mexican War series. It was a, a four-hour series for public television and for Mexican Mexican television. And I think there's a bunch of characters from the uh, from the 19th century that I'd love to spend a little more time with. Uh, and try to find a way to present them uh, to to national audiences or to international audiences, for that matter, uh, through film. So those are some of the projects that I'm working on. But again, really, really trying to make sure that this film on Chunky gets out there to the widest possible audience. And definitely looking forward to being with you all in Houston, uh, just in what a couple weeks, less than a couple weeks, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks for putting us on the tour. Thanks for all the work you do, and uh, continued success. Thank you. Okay. Great. Well, thanks. Great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Likewise. Hey, folks. Hey, Q, this was a great birthday show for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most deaf. Most and, deaf. And uh, thanks to all the listeners for giving yes. their granite. And all the callers, and, uh, all man. All the callers. That's the first show I've had where the line just blew up like that, man. Uh, yes, I That's know. That's a great feeling. <laughs> and Vanessa, I will say, Vanessa was champion on this one. She wanted those tickets. Bad. Oh, did she? She's like, she I'm was. I'm the eighth caller. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thanks. how you do it. You got to manifest it. I love it. Well, we share, we share, we share your enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, Vanessa. <laughs> you know, and it does mean a lot when we can give you some perks. But when you appreciate it, don't forget to subscribe. You know, for the future when we have other opportunities to give uh, give away great things you know subscribe on uh instagram uh as well as facebook and actually i was just talking to interim uh direct i'm gonna stop calling him interim. i know we He's gotta take that eye out exactly our new director judon boni and we're gonna be launching a, a challenge for nuestra palabra to get a hundred new members i think we Bet. can do it oh yes I think we can do it. I think we, we had 100 people just call in. <laughs> so I'll mention it now because we will you know, appeal to you during the pledge drives. Mm -hmm. But what I love is we can't – We yes, we joke that we need a longer show. But 60 minutes on our show is probably like 90 minutes on a commercial broadcast because they have to put in all the commercials. Right, and the wealth of knowledge that we – Sure, you know, it's <laughs> and, and we don't have to have uh, a sponsor calling in and saying, "Well, you know what? Uh, don't have this guy." On yeah, on Chunky's mucus music is his <laughs> mucus. mucus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His mucus is too political for us. Right? <laughs> you know, we don't have to worry about that. We right. cater to the listeners week in, week out, and that's Absolutely. how we love it. That's what we do. 
So thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. This is Tony Diaz of Libertad Picante. This is Q. And this is Letty. And we are, we are out. We're and, out. And wait, wait. I will mention just about 30 seconds. We will be in Pledge Drive starting on 23rd. So we will be affected, I think, the 28th. Until nice. And KPFT will be in Pledge Drive from the 23rd to February 12th. So please budget. Please, please. please. Thanks for sure. tuning in. Thanks. <laughs> Good night. Many of you have been longtime listeners and supporters of KPFT. This station asks you to consider establishing a bequest in your will that benefits KPFT. Supporting KPFT with a legacy gift is an easy decision to make. The future growth and excellence of our station depends on our ability to also build a permanent base of support through an active and successful legacy gift program. The next time you meet with your advisors to review your estate or long-term financial plans, please remember you can include KPFT. Ensure your commitment to public broadcasting continues on. With the help of your attorney, a bequest is simple to put in place. If you need help or have questions, call our development director at 713-526-4000. Again, that's 713-526-4000. Please join listeners like you in helping to ensure that the independent voice of KPFT will be preserved for generations to come. Name KPFT as a beneficiary in your will today. This is KPFT Houston. Greetings. This is Brother Abdul Halim Muhammad, the host of Connect the Dots on KPFT. The Black Heritage Society, founded by the late great Ovi Duncantel, will celebrate the 42nd annual original Martin Luther King Jr. Parade and Holiday Festival, Monday, January 20th, 2020, at 10 a.m. The parade will begin at City Hall, downtown Houston. Bring your family and your friends. For more information, Call 713-236-1700. That's 713-236-1700. Or go online to theblackheritagesociety.org. Or 